Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Marcus Spears in just a few minutes on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. And then an hour from now, the most valuable Aaron in the NFL. <laughs> Can I say that? It's Aaron Jones of the Packers. Is he the most valuable Aaron on his team? One of those two guys might be the MVP this year. I wonder if they'll split it. They'll split the Aaron vote for MVP. Anyway, the Packers off to a great start, and we look forward to having him on today. Lots to get to today. It starts with Monday Night Football last night and a team that is not off to a great start and a team whose offense candidly looks bad and out of sync and inexplosive or unexplosive. And the quarterback is starting to create questions, and that is New Orleans. A 10-point loser last night on Monday Night Football in Las Vegas, which in and of itself isn't the end of the world. And if you didn't watch the game and you just looked at the numbers, you say, Breeze's numbers look pretty good. He threw for 300 yards. I think it was 26 of 38. I don't have it in front of me. I did it this morning. 26 of 38, I think it was, 312 yards. What's wrong? Did you watch the game? If you watch the game, you know what's wrong. And here's the question that I think is going to have to be answered in New Orleans pretty quickly. And that is, is Drew Brees just off to sort of a sluggish start where everyone is a little bit out of sync? Or does Drew Brees finally look 41? And I want to make it clear that is not a criticism. Drew Brees is one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever lived. Nothing that happens from this point forward could possibly change that. And the fact that he was still doing it at the level that he was doing it at 39 and 40 and everything else is incredible and almost unprecedented. And Brady, I think, is making everybody think the impossible is ordinary. But what Brady is doing and has been doing anyway is impossible. And so at some point, this is going to happen to Breeze. The question in New Orleans is, is it happening right now? The last couple of years, we have seen Breeze start great. Two years ago, Breeze was the MVP of the league at the midway point. And then you saw all the throws and the age and everything else start to take a toll on the arm. And by the end of the season, he didn't look as good. It's one of the reasons I thought that missing time last year, remember he missed five games last year and Teddy Bridgewater started those, won them all. I thought that would actually help. All that mileage wouldn't be on his arm when they got to the playoffs. But it didn't work out that way. He didn't look good in the playoffs. And they wound up losing in their first game to Minnesota. Now is not making it to the end of the season. Now it looks bad at the beginning. His average throw was traveling less than five yards in the air. It's the lowest that any quarterback has had through two weeks since 2009. That's 11 years. Maybe everything will be just fine. Every game doesn't have to be a referendum on everything. I understand that. But we are in the professional overreactor business. And right now, the overreaction is it does not look good for New Orleans. And Breeze looks his age. For the first time, we can say he really looks his age, which, again, is not a criticism. It is just an honest assessment of a guy who's one of the greatest players ever and a terrific human being and will have a wonderful life in football and has done more for people in the community. I feel like I need to say all these things because to sit here and complain or to criticize Drew Breeze doesn't feel right. But it's the reality of the situation. How many times have we said Father Time is undefeated? It's going to get Brady, too. And it's going to get LeBron, and it's going to get all these guys, Roger Federer, all these people who were doing it at these ages, Serena Williams. It's not supposed to happen. But with all of the additional training and nutrition and everything else that people have access to today, they're doing it at a much older age than we've ever seen before. But eventually it comes to an end. 
Now, I'm not telling you it is ending for Breeze right this minute. But if you just watched last night's game, you would get the impression that it might. Let me give you a little bit from Breeze here, Bubba. Let's hear Breeze. Here he is talking about the narrative of his decline. Here's Drew Breeze. My job is to execute the offense, right? And so um, I'll, uh, I, I think I've, I've, I've always evaluated myself on being a great decision maker. And so at the end of the day, um, I'm going to throw the ball to the open guy, move the ball down the field, score points, help us win football games. You know, so that's my job. My job is not to have the most air yards or throw the ball down the field the most or anything like that. Uh, my job is to help us win. My job is to help put everybody around me in the best position to succeed. And um, that's all I'm focused on. That's fair. And that's right. Everything you just said is right. And he was playing without Michael Thomas. Those are post-game comments that he made actually wearing a T-shirt that said 149 on it because that's how many catches um, Michael Thomas had last year. So there are any number of reasons that we could attach to this and say everything will be just fine next week. And if it is, then we just move on. But you just wonder if what you're seeing, if what your eyes think they're seeing might actually this time be true. I hope not, but that's a day that comes for everybody eventually. And if it does... It raises a really fascinating question. And I'll give Mina Kimes a lot of credit for tweeting this last night during the game. She just tweeted the word Jameis. And then she put in parentheses whispers because that's all you can do. You can only whisper the name Jameis around New Orleans. You can only whisper the name of any other quarterback around New Orleans because that's Drew Brees we're talking about. But their backup happens to be the only quarterback in the sport who threw for 5,000 yards last year. He was the number one pick in the NFL draft not that long ago. He is a player with an almost limitless upside if the right coach and coaching can finally diminish the downside. The question is, do they ever make that decision this year? Breeze and Peyton are joined at the hip. He keeps coming back for another crack at a ring. I don't think they bench him under almost any circumstances, and by no means am I saying they should. But it is worth reminding you that Taysom Hill isn't the only other quarterback they have on their roster. They signed Jameis Winston for a reason. Now, that reason could be that Breeze has gotten hurt the last couple of years, certainly last year. We just talked about it. They had Teddy, and Teddy kept them afloat, and there they were in great shape when the season came to an end. Kept them more than afloat. Again, he was 5-0 as a starter. Could there come a time this year when we see them go to Jameis? Seems unlikely it would be anytime soon, and it would have to get a lot worse before that were to happen. But one way or another, feels like there are some questions in New Orleans. I'm Greeny, and I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's home quote explorer quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. On the other side, good start for the Raiders. And I'll say two things about them. Well, three. Here's the first one. The first one is that the whole Las Vegas thing is going to take a lot of getting used to. On Get Up this morning, we had two Oaklands. We had Greg McElroy said Oakland and Swagoo said Oakland. I so far have not said Oakland, but I'm sure I will. They're the Las Vegas Raiders. A lot of getting used to. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that Derek Carr has already been John Gruden's starting quarterback a lot longer than most people ever are. And he's doing better than a lot of people, I think, perceive. They're sitting a pretty nice 2-0. That's a nice win. They opened their stadium last night with a nice win. And Carr is playing well, and they've got some weapons. they got the tight end who's good. The running back, Jacobs, is terrific. 
They ran it with Richard last night as well. We'll see if that rookie, Henry Ruggs, who obviously can take the top off a defense and drew a huge penalty last night. We'll see if he winds up making a difference for them. The Raiders are an interesting team to watch. And it is worth pointing out that the much maligned Khalil Mack trade, which was maligned for a lot of good reasons, people annihilated that deal when the Raiders made it because Khalil Mack is such a great player and has been so good on the Bears. But I will merely point out the Raiders got three players with picks from that trade. All of them had an impact last night. Josh Jacobs, who's tremendous, ran it 27 times last night for 88 yards, and he's a top-flight NFL running back. Damon Arnett, who was the 19th pick last year, was tied for the team lead in tackles with seven last night, played 83% of the snaps. Brian Edwards, who was a third-round pick, had just two catches but played 45 snaps last night. So they're all contributing. They got a bunch of pieces in exchange for Khalil Mack, and Khalil Mack in Chicago has won a combined total of zero playoff games. Now, that's not his fault. He's been terrific. That first year, he was unbelievable. He could have been the defensive player of the year. If it wasn't for Aaron Donald, he probably would have been the defensive player of the year. Aaron Donald, they're going to have to retire that award in his honor. They're just going to give out the Aaron Donald trophy to whoever they want to say is the defensive player of the year. So it isn't Mack's fault that the Bears haven't done any winning since they made that deal, but they haven't won a playoff game. So if you don't win a playoff game, can you really say the trade was a success? You could have won zero playoff games without Khalil Mack. And on the other side, the Raiders, they decided they weren't going to put all their money into that player, that position, that guy, for whatever reason. And, and almost everyone disagreed with it at the time, and I think I did too. But at the end of the day, they put together a pretty nice little team. And maybe Gruden was playing the long game and figured, I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of money on a guy when I don't think my real winning is coming for two or three years. Well, that time has come. They're in the new stadium. And we'll see what they're able to do with it. So the Raiders, I think, are an interesting team to watch. And we'll keep an eye on them as we go. All right, let's talk some more football. My buddy Swagoo was with me. Marcus Spears on the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. Penzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas, which gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Penzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Hello again, Marcus Spears. What's up, my brother? Well, let's talk a little more about the Saints as we did this morning, and then I want to run to a bunch of different places. But for those who were not with us on TV this morning, as you watch the Saints, who obviously have one goal and one goal only, and that is to win a Super Bowl championship, clearly last night they did not look like a Super Bowl team. If you were to put your finger on what is missing right now and what it is they need to get better at, what is it? Gee, Drew Brees has to be his normal, pristine, crisp, uh, precise self. And right now he's not that. Um for as great as Michael Thomas is, we've always talked about um, him being able to make a tremendous amount of plays without a lot of separation. And that has a lot to do with not only his um, immense talent, but also Drew Brees' skill set and putting the ball where it needs to be. And last night, and quite frankly against Tampa Bay, he wasn't able to do so. I'm not as concerned about the air yards, and you know I don't get all into that. But I am concerned about Drew Brees missing people over the middle. I am concerned about Drew Brees throwing an interception in the two-minute drill, uh, wondering if he's starting to pull his eyes down and look at the rush as opposed to being his normal self. So um, 
that that's the issue. And and then defensively, look, man, we can talk about how good defenses are, and we can rave and and, and talk about them. At some point, some offenses are gonna get you. I don't care how good you are on defense. But what we don't plan for is for the Saints not to be able to take advantage of a Raiders defense that's not very good either. And they just could not make the play last night, not not near enough, and not near enough attempts to make explosive plays um, like a lot of people have been talking about. So I see a, I see an issue if Drew Brees can't be, like I said, his crisp, being able to place the ball where it needs to be every single time. This offense has always been about his ability to make great decisions and ball placement and be able to just play at an elite level as far as getting his receivers the ball. For the past two weeks, he hadn't been able to do that, G, and that's concerning. Greeny and Swagoo with you. Let's go around the league a little bit. I have Aaron Jones coming on the show in about an hour, and I will ask him somewhat jokingly, somewhat not, who's the most valuable Aaron in Green Bay right now. As we watch the Packers off to a very good start and Aaron Rodgers looking maybe as good as he's looked in five years, how good are they and what does it say about the way they chose to handle their offseason? Oh, well, I don't – I wasn't as crazy about them handling the offseason. Now, obviously, you want to talk about getting receivers and you and I had this conversation. I felt like Green Bay knew something we didn't know because they there every day, and they evaluate these guys. And for all intents and purposes, I know they have seven drops on the season, but these guys are playing fairly well, man. Um, it's another year in Matt LaFleur's offense. Aaron looks as comfortable and as dominant as he's looked as we've been raving about his first two weeks of the season. But Lazard, Valdez, Scanlon, and obviously Devontae, and now Aaron Jones, who has always been um, the, the top offensive weapon for the, at least – going back to, what, a season or two ago as far as his ability out of the backfield and also catching the ball, lining up all over the place. He is Alvin Kamara. Kamara. Um, He is used Mm -hmm. in that same vein. So, look, you can make a case, but it's Aaron Rodgers. We know what this is predicated on. We know they go 13-3 and last year, regardless of all of the crazy talk. They go 13-3 and because Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback. Um I firmly believe any other quarterback of a lower tier on their team, they don't even get over nine wins possibly. Um, so, look, it, it's going it's gonna to be Aaron Rodgers until he leaves. But the decision I see, if, if you want to go, if you say, Marcus, we should have drafted a tight end or we should have drafted another wide receiver, everybody can use another playmaker, G. But obviously Green Bay knew that they had something in these other two guys, and it's starting to kind of show itself not to be – um, not to be crazy about it. Greeny and Marcus Spears with us here. One more for you. How close are we to living in a world right now where Carson went with a $100 million contract in three more years, practically ironclad on that deal in Philly, and several months removed from people projecting him to be the MVP of the league? How far are we from a situation where they may have to give serious consideration to benching him for the second-round pick? Gee, this is a bottom-line business, man. And, look, we know quarterbacks, especially when you got a contract like that and where he was drafted, gets a longer time to kind of prove themselves. But at some point, you have to put the rest of the guys 
at the forefront. And if Jalen Hurts is going to give you a better opportunity to win based on you seeing him play and having to sit Carson Wentz down, I say you give it another two weeks. Look, a quarter of a season, right? And when you start thinking about how this league goes, they've already dropped a game to a, a divisional opponent. Um, the second game is to an NFC opponent. So at some point, if you don't turn around these next couple of weeks, you may be looking out on the outside looking in very early in your playoff plan. Um, so, and, and then when you start talking about direction, you, you start having these questions. Listen, Carson Wentz has played at an MVP level. We all know that. We are always reminded of that by Dan Orlovsky. And Carson Wentz has shown us at times, even last year in the Dallas game, that he can be heroic. He can lift the team to a point where they have a they can be the team that's perceived better than them. But you cannot continue to go through this cycle of not playing well, playing well, and then playing this bad and not this not forcing coaches to see if they can get a consistent level of play from Jalen Hurts. I'm no I'm in no means an advocate for Carson Wentz being benched right now. But at some point if you're going to cost the other 52, 53 guys by the way you're playing, turning the ball over right now based on his first two weeks, if this continues, how do you not try to see if Jalen Hurts can put you in a better situation? You're not that doing your be... job as a coaching staff, and you're not mm-hmm. doing your job. You're not, you're not being respectful to the other guys that at least seeing if we can be in a better position if he continues to play this way. It's astonishing because one of the reasons we were all so stunned when they took Jalen Hurts in the second round is you figured of all the quarterbacks in the league, how many of them were more firmly entrenched, both contractually and otherwise, than Carson Wentz in Philly. And here we are two weeks into the season, and this is the conversation. Marcus and Dan and Laura and Mina and company today, for Eastern every day on ESPN with NFL Live. Thank you, Marcus. You were so funny this morning. I'll see you soon. <laughs> Hi, my brother. Thank you. <laughs> I'll see you. That's the great Marcus Spears with me. He was very funny this morning. I'm going to play you a little later today something he did that was extremely funny on our show. It actually was involving Wentz, and um, it's an interesting one to me. I mean, Carson Wentz is a guy who a lot of people, people whose opinions I value, again, this is not a knock. I think Dan Orlovsky is as good with quarterback stuff as anybody we have at ESPN and anyone I talk to. And if you have ever seen him on Get Up or anywhere, you know how high he is on Carson Wentz. And the way Wentz finished last season and the way he sort of lifted that team on his shoulders as a leader in a way that we had always questioned whether he had that or not, I was sure that he was going to have a huge year this year. Huge. And it is still only two games. And clearly, there's plenty of time to turn that around. And add to that the fact that his offensive line is banged up. So maybe part of what we're seeing is not his fault. But at the end of the day, if you want to be the player that I think most people think Carson Wentz is or could be, then you overcome that stuff. And I think he's got to do it soon. If they lose to Cincinnati this week, it's going to get really, really noisy. By the way, my poll question today, at ESPN Greeny on Twitter, I listed four teams that have started 0-2 that have super high expectations. You tell me the one you would bet on will still make the playoffs, Minnesota, Philadelphia, Houston, Atlanta. Who do you like? Cast your vote at ESPN Greeny. Right now, we are going to throw open the phone lines. My number is 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-SAY-ESPN. We will debut a new feature next. It is called The Airing of Grievances. 
Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. We're going to do something we call airing of grievances here. And speaking of which, Nuno just sent me this. Harlan Shackelford is a disgruntled Falcons fan who has written the team a letter effective immediately resigning his position as a fan. Following the second worst loss in NFL history, the first belongs to you and your implosive efforts in the Super Bowl when you blew a 28-3 lead against Tom Brady and company. He then goes into a lengthy description of all the terrible things that happened in order for them to lose against Dallas on Sunday. And he writes, in my 28th year of existence, I have decided to no longer embrace the suck. It is not me. It is absolutely and definitively you. He has resigned effective immediately as a fan of the Falcons. We call that an airing of grievances. Bubba. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. All right. So if you know anything about me, you know that any Seinfeld reference is good in my book. The airing of grievances begins now. If you're a football fan, you have them with your team or with someone else. I want to hear about them right now. James, you're first up. Please air your grievance. Hey, thanks, Greeny. Uh, thank you for doing what you do. So for two years now, all we heard was Aaron Rodgers is disinterested. He, does, he can't get along with his coach. He doesn't trust his young wide receivers. So my thing is, how come he, Drew, he doesn't get the same excuses that Drew Brees is getting? Aaron Rodgers has a running back that nobody ever heard of until last year. Michael Thomas goes down. Oh, well, Drew Brees doesn't have his wide receiver. Well, Devontae Adams got injured last year for six games. We didn't lose a game. There was no, there was no question about Aaron Rodgers' toughness this, now when we're 2-0. But now because Drew Brees has lost a Monday night game against the Raiders, oh, well, his defense and he doesn't have his number one wide receiver. So how come we aren't keeping that same energy in the pundits aren't watching football to see that, oh, well, Devontae Adams went out. Maybe we should give Aaron Rodgers the benefit of the doubt. There's no benefit of the doubt in Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers is letting the league know what the, what his deal is because we're coming for that Super Bowl, baby. Thank you, Green. I love it. 
That's a great grievance. James, that's really well aired. It doesn't apply to us. This morning on TV, we basically benched Drew Brees, <laughs> and I opened the show talking about it today, but I know what you mean. You're telling me you feel like the media makes excuses for Breeze they don't make for Rodgers or they didn't last year, and I like it. James, that's a good, that's the dictionary definition of airing a grievance. That's who is next. Charles is next with Green. Air your grievance. Greeny, how you doing? But a longtime fan. Um, so my grievance is really towards the fans in the NFL this year. We are just backing out after two games and getting a, over on everybody. So I'm a diehard Colts fan. We have Phillip Rivers here in Indy, and they talked trash about our defense last week. But what they didn't do is nobody said nothing about, what about the Titans' defense this week? How about that? I've heard nobody complain about the Titans' defense. They gave up 30 points easily if Clowney wasn't offsides, or would have been called, I should say. Who knows? They could have went down, tied the game up, and Jacksonville could have won. So everybody's talking about Jacksonville. I'm a huge AFC South fan. Fans, let's quit talking. Let's enjoy football, and let's understand that this is what it is this year. There was no preseason games. Nobody was warmed up. Just like Phillip Rivers, hey, I'm an Indy, right? There are so many bandwagon fans here. Everybody said Phillips are taking us to the promised land. We lose week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. What happened? Oh, Phillips, crap. We should have went out. We could have signed Cam Newton. <laughs> no, we shouldn't have. I mean, this is exactly what it is. Phillip is who he is. We all knew it. He's going to throw interceptions, but he's also going to make deep plays downfield. So fans in the NFL, please stick to it. Ride with your team, and I promise you, at some point in time, everybody's going to get a little better and just stop trashing your teams. It, it, it gets ridiculous. All right, Charles, thank you very much. His grievance is with all the airing of grievances. He doesn't like everyone airing their grievances about their teams. And, Charles, the one thing I'll take issue with is when you said everyone's team is going to get a little better. I have very little confidence that that applies to mine. We're airing grievances on ESPN Radio. Who is next? Robert. Robert, you're on with Greeny. Air your grievance. Hi. Uh, the, the, the first guy said something that I was going to bring up. That offside on Jadavion Clowney, oh, my God, like, no one talks about it on ESPN. Like, if that was the Cowboys <laughs> or the Patriots and that happened to them on, on, the, uh, on the drive where guards are going up and down the field, and that play could have really decided the game because if, if you call that, it's automatic first down because it was, it was, we only had one yard to go. It's automatic first down. The clock stopped. And the drive continues on a drive where we only need a field goal, which would have put us at the 50-yard line. Like, no one talks about the, the bad things that goes wrong to the Jaguars. If that was the Cowboys and that happened, that would have been all over ESPN as a blown call. How did the refs blow that and all kind of crap. And the fact that it's 11 0-2 teams in the NFL and Jacksonville is the power rankings are number 26. Robert, that is an outstanding grievance. I love the airing of that grievance. I lo- you are a thousand percent right. If that call happened to the Cowboys, I would have led get up with it the next day. You are 100% right. And I would have demanded that that play be, that be challengeable, reviewable, whatever it is. You couldn't be more on the money. That is an excellent grievance. I have time for one more. What have I got here? Nico, go ahead. Air your grievance. What do you got, Nico? Greeny, thanks for having me on. First and foremost, I listen to the show with my brother all the time. I am so sick and tired of the lack of credit that Justin Herbert gets. And this goes back to his days in Eugene. He was asked to step in as a true freshman, and that team went 4-8. and eight. By the time he was a senior, they won a Super Bowl. 
and he won the game with his legs, but he made the throws that he had to. Still doesn't get the credit. Gets dragged over the coals for no reason. Gets taken in the first round, and everybody's paying attention to Joe Burrow and Tua. With all due respect, those are great quarterbacks. He's asked minutes before his first NFL start to go against the reigning Super Bowl champions. He goes and outthrows reigning Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes. He has more passing yards, more yards per attempt, a higher passer rating. He did it with his legs again. He almost gave them a chance to win that game. And I'm so disappointed, not even from a football standpoint. He is a stellar human being who just gets absolutely no credit when you compare him to other guys like, again, Joe Burrow and Tua with all due respect, but he should be more in the conversation for a potential rookie of the year. Going back to the yeah. college, I'm so disappointed at the lack of uh, positive uh, no, listen, I, Herbert said. I get what you're saying. Thank you for the call. Well, listen. Justin Herbert, they, he came in with a lot of questions. There were a lot of people super high on him. And look, what was he, the sixth pick in the draft? So things are working out okay, and he got to start this week, and Anthony Lynn says he's given the ball back to Tyrod, assuming he's healthy enough to play. I don't even know what happened. He somehow hurt his chest in pregame. Um, well, you don't think that Herbert gets enough attention. I hear you. You're right. He wasn't on a lot of watch lists and all that, and he goes to a team that doesn't have a, a huge fan base. Um, but he will get his chance to prove it. He absolutely will get his chance to prove it. Thank you for airing that grievance. We will set aside some more time a little bit later for the airing of further grievances. You can check out ESPN Audio at home by telling Alexa to play news from ESPN. ESPN Audio at home is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van. Find out how far an extra mile really goes. From customization and service to financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. Coming up next, I have to clear something up. We had a conversation this morning on Get Up. Vince Carter and I did in which the name Michael Jordan was raised and people are suggesting that I have something about Michael Jordan wrong. And I will say two things in response to that. One, I never get anything wrong about Michael Jordan. And two, in this case, the one who's wrong is not me. And I will explain exactly why. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, I'm Greeny. We're on ESPN Radio. My podcast is called I'm Interested, and it is available as of today, a new episode, wherever it is you get your podcast. And the guest today is Ahmad Rashad, who has unbelievable stories 
about all those years that he was covering Michael Jordan and hanging around with Michael Jordan. And speaking of Michael Jordan, again, you can check out I'm Interested wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of Michael, it's time for some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Okay, and I'm just going to cut right to the chase. I had Vince Carter on Get Up this morning, and I was asking him what it said about LeBron James that as a superstar, an immortal, with two seconds left in a game that his team was trailing in the playoffs, they called a play that went to someone else. And you saw it by now. Anthony Davis knocked down a three. They win game two against the Nuggets the other day. And I, always, I said, I actually said, I don't see a circumstance where that, there's a play that is called for someone other than Michael Jordan or other than Kobe Bryant or other than most other superstars historically in the game. And it goes to the unselfishness of LeBron and also to the faith that he has in Anthony Davis. That has become that is a true partnership. They really are one A and one B in L.A. right now. And of course, I had a bunch of people trying to tweet me things that I should know, like, hey, Greeny, you know, John Paxson hit some shots that won games for the Bulls, too. Stop. Just stop. If you're talking about the last shot of game six with three seconds left in Phoenix that won the championship in 93, I was in the building. The John Paxson three were the only points in that fourth quarter, by the way, that Michael Jordan didn't score. The Bulls scored almost, I want to say they scored 12 points in the fourth quarter. I'm doing this from memory, but I was there. I want to say the Bulls scored 12 points in that quarter. Jordan scored the other nine. They inbounded that ball with about 15 seconds left in the backcourt. They brought it up. They passed about three times. Horace Grant, who hadn't made a shot in the entire game, was basically left uncovered under the basket. The ball went to him. He didn't even look to take a shot. He just kicked it out because he just needed to get the ball out of his own hands because he had no confidence in himself. He threw it to Paxson, who was wide open, who knocked in the shot with 3.9 seconds. That's not exactly the same as calling an inbounds play with two seconds left for someone else to take the shot. What happened the other day with LeBron and Anthony Davis would be like if in game five, Jordan over Elo, they had called that play for somebody else. It would never have happened. It would never have happened on a Michael Jordan team, ever. It happened once. You saw it in the last dance with Scottie Pippen when they called to play for Tony Kukoc, and Pippen refused to go in the game with two seconds left. Let's not go back over that territory again, but you know what I'm talking about. So let's not, let's not, have, let's not have two conversations at once. That play, is, if there's two seconds left in a game and Michael Jordan's on the team, he's getting the ball. It's just that simple. He's taking the shot. And the fact that LeBron James said, yeah, let AD take the shot is telling. It is significant. That's not what happened with Paxson. And if you're talking about all the shots Paxson hit to beat the Lakers in game five of the 91 final, that was a whole offensive sequence in which Phil Jackson was yelling at Michael during timeouts. Who's open? Who's open? Because he had to basically convince him to throw the ball to Paxson, who they weren't guarding. Because everyone had their, Michael Jordan was basically being guarded by three guys. And he kept kicking it over to Paxson, and he was knocking down shots, and that's how they clinched that series. But those aren't the same thing. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. All right, so now that we've cleared that up, let's have a little fun. Today is a fun anniversary. I love legendary sound bites, and I love coaches' rants. Let's enjoy this one together, shall we? Bubba, this one happened 13 years ago today. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage, attacking an amateur athlete for doing everything right. Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And then say that the coaches said he was scared? That ain't true. (laughs) 
13 years ago today. So we know exactly how old Mike Gundy is. He's 53 because he was a man then and he was 40. So we had Bubba. I asked Bubba to dig up a few other of the legendary coaches rants. So Bubba, just hit one and let's see how quickly we all know immediately who it is. All right. How about this one here? The Bears are who we thought they were. That's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Uh, it makes me sad. I love Denny Green. He was a good man. And uh, he wor- he wor- we worked together at ESPN after that. That's when he was the coach of Arizona. And that was the year the Bears were really good. That was The Bears wound up in the Super Bowl that year. And the, and the Cardinals, abs- he, he's absolutely right. They should have beat him that game. And he was mad. And that was a legendary, I love the pounding of the podium. All right, Bubba, let's hear another one. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this one. Trying to get our two boys ready to carry them to the golf tournament for practice, right? Twelve cats live across the road. Our door's open. Screen's broke. We need to get a new screen door. But the screen's broke, so you can come in through the screen, but you can't get back out of it. I turn and look. There's a little kitty cat in our, in our kitchen. So I said, what are you doing in here, little kitty cat? By that time, eh, the cat turns, tries to get back out. That screen won't go that way. cat starts going, all crazy. And I told our players, we need more dogs. Bo's barking in the back. I have to go shut Bo up. Mel's like, what's going on? I said, there's a cat in the house. Cat in the house? I said, yeah, there's a cat in the house. So I told our players, I tried to let it out the front door. The cat's still going crazy in there. And I told our players, you need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Looking in the mirror. Do I look good? I got my extra bands on. I got my other shoes on. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. Who is that? I've never heard. Bubba, I have never heard that in my life. Who is uh, that? Oh, well, that's very clearly the uh, Coastal Carolina coach, former coach, uh, David Bennett, back in 2011, I believe. He is uh, Football or basketball? Football. That is a football rant. I uh, need more dogs. He is now an athletic director at a high school in South Carolina. We need more dogs. I, <laughs> that was very funny. I, I would love to go back and find out what the context was. Like, what is it that, that provoked him to mention all of those things that he mentioned? One way or another, it was interesting. Up next, Aaron Jones, MVP of the Packers. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.